0: heroes have anybody you think of that's a hero that you care about you know well uh, I'm a little bit of a a history buff but not not total history okay I like don't get me wrong but World War I World War II reading about all the exploits and all those battles and all that sort of stuff and uh, just a couple of things I wanted to to share with you tonight about heroes uh, anybody here know the name of Eddie Rickenbacker? Yeah. All right. Does anybody know what he did? What, would, what did he do, Brother Stan? He was a World War I firefighter who most uh, most killed the world of All right. You got it right. Mr. Eddie Rickenbacker was an American fighter pilot in World War I. He's an ace. And I have always heard that word and could not did not know what it stood for so i looked it up It it stands for air combat engagement all right so in air combat he's an ace he's a winner in a lot of those combats and uh, he had 26 victories he has a medal of honor uh, recipient considered to have received the most awards for valor by an american during the war that's world war one Then we're also in that war. There's another guy by the name of Manfred von Richthofen. Does anybody know who that was? Oh, I got several of them did like this. They know he's the Red Baron. (laughs) All right. And we all know the Snoopy flies his airplane, right? Yeah, there we go. his doghouse. Oh, it's his airplane. You know, what kid you haven't seen doesn't sit in a box. That's his airplane or a spaceship, you know, and uh, flies. But uh, he's the German fighter pilot in World War I. And he's considered the ace of all aces of the war, being officially accredited with 80 air combat victories, also known as the Red Baron. Now, how many of you understand that during his, that, that part of the war, World War I, how many realized that uh, he didn't have a machine gun to shoot people down? At the beginning of the war, they didn't have such a thing. They were flying these planes, and they'd come along, and this it started out, all they used airplanes for was to observe the enemy, to see what was going on. And then one of them got a the smart idea. He goes, you know what? I can let go of my stick for long enough to hold up a rifle or a pistol and shoot at that guy in the other plane, so he can't go back and tell them what we're doing. And that's how it got started. They would be flying along shooting at each other with pistol out the cockpit. You know? How crazy can you get, huh? And then, and then they got this idea. They had machine guns on the ground. They decided they would try that with airplanes. That worked real good. It ripped the propellers right off the plane. Till they learned how to synchronize them. Then the whole world got changed when it come to air combat. Anybody know the name Audie Murphy? Oh yeah, a lot of people know Audie Murphy. Uh, He was an American soldier in World War II. One of the most decorated American combat soldiers of World War II. He received every military combat award for valor available from the US Army, as well as French and Belgian awards for heroism. Uh, He's a hero, okay? How about John Glenn? Yeah, I know John Glenn. I actually watched this dude go up into space. I wasn't very old, uh, mind you, but (laughs) I actually did. He was a U.S. Marine Corps aviator, engineer, astronaut, first American to orbit the Earth in 1962. He went around three times aboard the Mercury Friendship 7. I can remember my science teacher in science class wheeling the TV out and setting it up so that we could watch that exciting moment in history where the first American went into space. How about Alan Shepard yeah we know Alan Shepard he's the first American to actually go up in space into circle uh, in the Friendship 7 capsule we have a lot of heroes in the world I got a lot of heroes today and we'll, we'll get into that in a little bit how, how many even you know a fellow by the name of David Livingston you may know a guy by the name of David Livingston uh, he's quite the character uh, he's a Scottish physician A pioneer missionary to Africa he was an explorer all during the 1800s not only was an explorer but he was a botanist he was a whole bunch of other things Uh, there he made so many discoveries I don't know if they could put them all in a book because no white man had ever been to Africa to really study the biology and botany over there and he was making all kinds of notes how about a fellow by the name of George Mueller you know George Mueller All right. George Mueller built and operated orphanages in Bristol, England by faith only, praying for money, buildings, food, never asking for help, always praying. He and his wife. He vowed when he went to start this, I will never ask for money. I will pray. And it's amazing how many millions of dollars that God blessed him with and how many places that he blessed them with uh, to do that. The orphanages... uh, excuse me, continued into the 1950s. And then because of changes in policy in England, they closed as orphanages, but there's still a charity going still today. They send money around the world to help people. And so uh, quite a legacy, a hero, a hero of faith. Uh, a man that... Uh, I've, I've got his biography at home, and a couple other books on him, and I was reading in there, and it, one of the things that um, really talked to me was he one day he went to the orphanage to check to make sure everything was ready for the day, and they told him there was no food. And George says, "Well, that's all right. let's pray." And he got down, and, and it, in the book, it never told exactly, specifically how he prayed. But he prayed that God would provide food for those kids, and there was a bunch of them. I don't remember. And uh, the next thing you knew, you he heard on the front door, and it was the milkman. His cart, the wheels had fell off, it, wheel had fallen off of it, and the only way they could get it back up to do anything with it was to empty it. So they brought the milk to the orphanage so they could put the wheel back on it see god answers prayer sometimes it's not always the way we think he's going to <laughs> okay and then a little bit later he heard a knock on the door and you'll never guess who was at the door what goes with milk cookies, cookies. <laughs> yeah that's a good guess i have to admit it's a good guess no the bread man came the baker there in town was making deliveries and god just grabbed the whole of his heart and said those kids need food and he took his whole cart and brought it up there and gave them Food to eat. Isn't that amazing? You think God can still do that today? We're going to look at some things and talk about some things. If you would, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Now I don't know about you, but me personally... Uh, do you ever find it hard to live by faith? I do. Uh, what is faith? Turn to Hebrews chapter eleven, verse one. Hebrews eleven, verse one says, "Now faith is a sub—excuse me. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen." Did you get that? Is Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a known fact that when a person loses hope, their life is basically over. As Christians, we should never lose hope hope because we have faith. Faith in who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Faith Faith in the fact that it doesn't matter what happens, he's in control. Now, I don't know about you, but for me sometimes that's just hard to grasp and do. Uh, Can I give you an example out of my own personal life in the last three weeks? Would that be all right? Okay. Uh, How many of you live out in the country, not in town? Raise your hand. Come on. All right. So you know what a leach field is and a septic tank, right? Okay. Well, about four weeks ago, well, actually three months ago, they pumped my septic tank out which is nothing unusual we have to do it every now and again because it gets full well the guy that pumped it out when he got done and he i was paying him the bill he goes you know you probably ought to consider replacing your leach field because the more i pumped the more that came back and that's not supposed to happen it's supposed to run the other way i said well okay i'll think about it we'll do whatever (laughs) so about three weeks later guess what happened my wife and i are in the house and we're like this thing's not draining the way it's supposed to. Do. What's wrong with this thing? So being real smart, I went out and looked in where my septic tank was at, and there was stuff on top of the lid. That's not good. So then I made a phone call, and several of them, matter of fact, and got some advice and got some people out there, and, and I liked to croak when they told me what it was going to cost to have it replaced. Because you don't fix them, you replace them, Okay. And so, being the man of faith that I am, I began to fret about being able to pay the bill. You know how you get it? I'm just being honest. We get that way, don't we? I was fretting about paying the bill. I knew I had a certain amount of money in the bank, and you know how it goes. We start using this thing instead of talking to him sometimes. So... I think, well, I, I've got it. We'll take care of it. We'll get them out there, you know, and they, they come do their thing. And they got it done. Now, I haven't got the total bill yet, but I'm pretty sure what it's going to be. You know, God's so good that before I even knew I needed it, he provided the money. Why did I fret? Why did I worry? I shouldn't, but I did. So by faith, if I'd have been just listening and trusting Him, I would have known He'd already provided and that it was ready to go. We're supposed to live by faith, and faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. If you would follow me as we go through Hebrews chapter 11, that's my message tonight. I'm going to preach all of Hebrews chapter 11, so bear with me. A lot of reading and a lot of following, okay? Chapter 11, verse 2, For by it, speaking of faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, if the evolutionary crowd would just read Hebrews chapter 11, verse three, they would understand that uh, they have a great problem with evolution, because God just said that which is made, that's what He put into place came from nothing he put it here and uh it doesn't matter how how hard they try they're never going to be able to figure it out because he did it you know i I used to do that in junior church this is what god did god was in heaven one day and that's all there was and one day he looked out and he went let there be light and there was light then he said let there be let there be let there be let there be there was nothing there folks and he put it all there, and then they, they try to figure out how it all happened and how it's coming again. But if they just read Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, they would know that they're never going to figure it out because that which we can see wasn't here before. Its only beginning came from God. By faith, in verse 4, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, And by it, he being dead, yet speaketh. Abel, though he's dead, been dead for several thousand years, yet through God's word, he speaks to us about the fact that you need to have the right sacrifice and the right offering to please God. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. I like it, I have a vivid imagination. I can see this guy walking down the road. He's been walking and talking with God, and they've had this great conversation, and God just says to him, you know, why don't you come home and have dinner with me? It'll just be a day, you know? Well, you got to remember, a thousand years is as a day, and a day is as <laughs> One day is as a thousand years, you know? Listen, uh, He just went for a walk that day and because he had that testimony that he loved God and wanted to do what God wanted him to do and that he was living by faith, God just said, come on home with me. You know, one of these days he's going to look at you and me and from the portals of glory he's going to come out and the trumpet's going to sound and guess what's going to happen? He's going to call you by name. Yeah. And you'll answer and we'll go and be with him. Verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please him, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Have, please, God, have faith. Not like mine, though. Okay, you have better faith than I do, okay? By faith, in verse 7, Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear prepared an ark to the saying of his house by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith can you imagine if you read your bible you can go back and understand that for 120 years noah built an ark can you imagine what his neighbors said (laughs) miss diane got it you're crazy man what's wrong with you what are you doing what are you talking about, rain? They'd never seen rain, didn't even know what it was. He said, God told me it's gonna rain. He told me to build this boat. It's called an ark. He built a boat. People laughed at him until it started to rain. But then it was too late, because see, God had already called the animals two by two, and then he told Noah to bring his family in, and then God shut the door. You know why God shut the door? That way Noah couldn't open it. You don't think there wasn't people standing out there beating on the side of that ark, wanting inside when the rain was, water was getting up about knee deep, and they didn't know what was going on? Sure there was, but Noah couldn't open the door because God had shut it. There was only one person that could open it, and that happened after the flood. When the waters receded, God opened the doors. In verse 8, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Listen, folks, we're just a sojourner. We're just passing through. Uh, this is not my home. You know, I, I, my, my citizenship's not here. My citizenship's in heaven. It's been there since I was five years old. Signed, sealed, delivered. Nobody can take it away. And one day, I'll go home. Abraham went to a far country where God told him to go. And you remember, as you read your Bible, what happened? He sows urine there until the end of his life. But yet it wasn't his. But he followed God and what God wanted him to do. Because God said, I have a plan. You can't see it, but I have a plan. Just follow my plan. Through faith, also Sarah in verse 11 Herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him, faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one in him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. Sarah, don't you like it? God has a sense of humor. You remember what she was supposed to name her son? Yeah, Isaac. Anybody know what Isaac means? Laughter. Laughter. Yeah, she laughed when God said you're going to have a child, and she was 90 some years old, and she kind of, yeah, right, sure. <laughs> well, wouldn't you? Yeah, we kind of kind of get a tickle out of that. I'm 90 some years long. Yeah, right, sure, you know. Uh, and God said, yes, it's going to happen, and it did, and it took place. And he says, and just so you're reminded that I know what I'm talking about. His name's going to be Isaac. Just to remind you that you laughed when I said that. Verse 13 says, That all these before, in these verses before, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. What's it saying? It's saying, you know, if Abraham had just wanted to, what could Abraham have done? He said, I don't believe what God's saying. I'm just going to go back to Earl the Chatties. I'm going to go back home, back to where my family's at. He could have. If he'd have been mindful, if he'd have been like some of us, he could have just said, Okay, I'm going to go back home. I've been here and I don't see this land becoming mine. But by faith, he stayed there because he knew God had a plan. Verse 16 But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. I have two sons. I wish, I hope, I pray that if God would have said to me, take your son out and put him on an altar, cut his heart out, I- I'd have been willing. That's what Abraham was to do. I wish I, I wish I knew in me if I had that kind of faith, that I would go and go out and take him to a, way out in the country, up on a mountain and get the fire and everything ready and, and uh, pull out the knife, be ready to strike. I would hope I would have that kind of faith if God would call me to do something like that. And then God called from heaven. Boy, it's a good thing he listened, huh? Amen. Or he had killed his son for no reason. But he listened. God called and said, No. And he provided a ram, and they sacrificed the ram. That's faith. In verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he's dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. You remember when he did that? What did he do? You remember? Joseph told him not to do what he was going to do. Does that help you remember what he did? He did this. What was wrong with that? The right hand of blessing was supposed to go to the eldest son, and the other was supposed to be on the youngest son, and he went like this. And no, 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 don't do that. And he says, No, this is what's supposed to be. This is the way it's supposed to be. By faith, he did those things. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. I love Joseph. I don't know about you. You talk about going through it. Brothers hated him because God gave him dreams. Then to top it all off, dad made it worse, gave him a coat of many colors. They hated him for that. Then one day they decided, well, we'll just kill him. One brother talked him out of that, so then they sold him into slavery down into Egypt. Then he went through all kinds of things down there in Egypt. Then he got called before the king. You know, I think it's amazing if you read that. Do you, know you know what he did before he went to see the king? He took a bath and shaved. You read your scripture. He got ready to go see the king. He didn't come to the king in his rags that he had on in the prison. He went and cleaned himself up went and stood before the king, answered the king's question about the dreams he was having, and then he was what? Promoted to... The, Second in command, right under Pharaoh. Then when his brothers came, you ever get a little vindictive with some of your brothers' siblings, huh? I heard some laughter back there. Uh, Listen, how easy would it have been? Well, you kind of see a little bit of it when he kind of sort of works things around where it looks like they stole stuff and does all these different things, and then he turns them loose. And and I think he was having fun with them a little bit. (laughs) I would have done it with my brothers, I'm pretty sure, you know. But in the end, what did he do? He did what God said to do. He brought them all down into Egypt where they could survive, just as God had intended all along. By faith, Moses, in verse 23, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child, and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Through faith he kept the Passover, and the sprinkling of blood, blood, lest he that destroyed the firstborn should touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as by dry land, which the Egyptians are saying to do were drowned. What a testimony of faith. Moses. I see Moses as the, the people, they, they look at him and they... Uh, hear him speak and they're going like i'm not sure about this are you sure about this we got it pretty good down here we may be slaves but at least we got food to eat and you know how we are as people He said this is what god wants this is what we need to do and then god sends the plagues and then in the middle of the plagues he divides between the egyptians and god's people And then they can really see what's going on. And then when Pharaoh turns them loose, Moses is a great captain who leads leads them right down to the Red Sea where they're trapped, have nowhere to go. That's what God told him to do. Why? Because God had a plan. Can you imagine Pharaoh riding up there, seeing all those people trapped? He goes, man, I've got them now. Oh, yeah? God set up a pillar of fire between them and then he opened the Red Sea and his people went through. Then when got on the other side, Pharaoh, he was so bent on doing them in, he just followed them right down in there. He thought, well, if it'll open for them, it'll open for me. It did. And then God took the chariot wheels off. and Things started looking bad. And then all the Egyptians got over on the other side and God told Moses, tell the waters to close. And there was not one survivor. God had a plan. By faith, Moses led the people out of Egypt. By faith, in verse 30, the walls of Jericho fell down after they were compassed about seven days. By faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them. That believed not when she had received the spies with peace. Do you remember what they told Rahab to do? They told her to put what? A scarlet thread in the window. Do You know, you can trace that scarlet thread from Genesis to Revelation. Because it's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. And his blood that was going to be shed. By faith, she did that. Have you ever thought, Do you ever read in there, it talks about about where she lived? Where does it say she lived? She lived on the wall. What fell down? The wall. Now you think about that for a minute. (coughs) They told her, if you want your family to fight, you have them all come in here with you and you stay until we come and get you. So they march around and they march around and they march around and the walls fall down. Well, where's her house? It's on the wall, people. Now, I don't know how God did it, but in my mind, this is what I see. Jericho had a huge wall. It was big enough around on the top. They could ride chariots on top of it. And I can just see all but one little section. (laughs) The one with the scarlet in the window. Stayed standing. How amazing! How perfect is our God! He knew where to draw the line, He knew how to do it. Oh, verse 32 And what shall I say, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, and of Barak, and of Samson, and of Jethe, of David also, and Samuel, and of the prophets. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all having obtained a good report through faith, Receive not the promise. Now you think about that for a minute. We've just covered about 3,000 years of history. And yet they still not received the promise. What was the promise? I'm sorry? The promised land of Canaan. They, they actually got Canaan. What was the promise that, that they were promised? They were promised a Messiah. He still hadn't come yet. I mean all these people have died all these things have happened and there's no savior yet no messiah And these all having obtained a good report through faith received not the promise God having provided some better thing for us that they without it without us should not be made perfect Now all these people have come through life and they have died they come to the end of life. They haven't received the promise. And God's saying, it's coming. It's coming, but it can't come yet because when it does come, there's going to be a big change. And that's so that you and I could be saved. That happened when Christ was born. And then he died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for our sins. In verse 12, chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the Father." Heroes. We have some heroes in our lives, don't we? I have a few. Uh, How about Pastor Clyde Campbell? You don't know him. My wife don't even know him except for he's the man that performed our wedding. Okay, he was my pastor. He's the man that sat down with my dad at the end of a revival meeting one night and led me to the Lord. He's my hero. I stayed in touch with him until the day he died. I have a few more heroes. How about uh, Dr. Jack Hiles, R.B. Willett, Paul Chapel? These are some men that I look up to. Why? They're men of faith. They're men of God that stand, live for him. There's another group of heroes that most of us sitting in here, we don't think about them very regular, but we ought to. If you've known me very long, I love missionaries. I pray for our missionaries. I pray over our missionaries. I have a list here in front of me. I counted them. There's 40 of them on here. There was 41, but we've had some that have retired and that sort of thing. But we need to keep them in prayer. We need to support them in prayer. We need to support them with finances. We need to never forget them. Though they may be on the other side of the world or in the next state, depending on which one they are, they're our fellow servants. You realize every one of these people are a member of our church? They serve alongside of us, wherever they're at, whatever they're doing. They serve right alongside of us. We pray for them. They pray for us. Working together to see people come to know Christ. Churches are established and the members begin to grow. And they, like us, have a theme. What's our theme? Make mature And multiply make disciples mature disciples and multiply disciples I was reading one of the missionary letters just the other day and I was encouraged that he's excited that they finally opened things up where they can go back to see some of the people in the villages and they've stayed in touch as best they could but now they're excited they can go back and actually see what's going on and what's taking place you know by faith we took these people on i've i've had several of them that i've that email me and if you read the letters out there might not be on the ones that are up there right now but you know during the pandemic pandemic this covid virus uh, a lot of them lost support that's sad That's sad because somebody lost faith. Our pastor, things were going on and the COVID hit and we were worried about what we were going to do and managed to take care of our missionaries and all those things. And we talked, Brother Stan and I, and pastors, the deacons, we talked with him. And, you know, God's been so good to us. We've not missed one missionary payment. Not one. Not only that, he's allowed us to buy a piece of property. Every Sunday for almost a year, since we took a stand and decided that's enough of that and opened the doors of this church, do you realize that every Sunday we've had visitors? It's amazing. Just crazy. Uh, Uh, We were talking. It'll take us three years to to, to go visit them all. There's been so many. I was talking with my son the other day, and they did a trunk retreat. Now, I'm bragging on him just a little bit, but they did a trunk retreat, and they went out and bought gobs of candy, just like we do. And he didn't know it, but they were the only place in town that did something like that on Halloween. You know how many people they had show up? Yeah, two thousand. Do you know what the youth past the, the youth pastor did the whole time? After about twenty minutes, he did nothing but go from store to store to store to store and bought every piece of candy he can find until there was no more candy to find. You know what was even more amazing? Just like us, through that they got all these cards. Of people to go see. Everybody, he said, everybody gladly filled out a card. Everybody was so excited. My son and the assistant pastor, all they got to do, uh, where's Brother Baker? All they got to do was park cars. He wanted to go visit with all these people, and all they got to do was park cars because it was traffic was so bad. And they did that by faith. By faith, we're here. We've got our doors open. By faith, we've met every commitment. God is so good. And shame on me. Sometimes I forget, and I worry, and I fret when all it takes is faith the size of a grain of a mustard seed to move a mountain. So my faith must be awful darn small. But you know what? I have a great big God, and He's awful forgiving. And He cares for me, and He cares for you. Listen, let's turn, if you would, back to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9. I thought this was so appropriate. Pastor put this all together long before he even, he never even knew what I was going to speak on until uh, about two days ago. And this was done a long time ago. Revelation chapter 5, if you would, and go down to verse 9. It says, And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book, talking of the Lamb of God, and to open the seals thereof, for thou was slain and hast redeemed us to God by the blood, by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Why do we send missionaries? We send them out by faith, but we send them out that we might have a part in the work that they're doing around the world that we might, like this verse, see people saved from out every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And sometimes, I don't know about you, sometimes I forget, I carry, I carry them in my pocket all the time. Tracks from our church. Once in a while, I get ashamed of myself because I forget to hand them out. Why do we hand them out? Well, what's on the inside? The gospel. What's on the back? Our church address and phone number so that they get saved or they want to know more. They can call, talk to someone. Listen, let's be faithful. God's faithful. Let's be faithful. That's my whole message tonight. Heroes. We got 40 of them. We got a lot more, actually, but 40 of them that we, they're our heroes. You stop to think about it. Think about um, the two that, that one's over in Nepal right now, and the other one just went over to uh, Ethiopia, or not Ethiopia, Uganda. Listen, uh, they left the greatest nation on earth today to go over to less than a third world country to do what? Give the gospel in our place listen if we're not willing to give then there's only one other choice do you know what that is go okay if you're not willing to give then say lord where do you want me to go and god's not moved me to go to the mission field but god has allowed me to give that we can have missionaries that are on the mission field around the world and I like our pastor. i tell you what, he, he has a vision. He'd like one day, I'm going to scare you just a little bit, okay? He'd like to see us have a missionary in every country of the world. Wouldn't that be amazing? Look, look, look at that over there. Look at, look at the continents over there and, and think about that. If we could have one in every nation, wouldn't that be amazing? That would be a wonderful thing. It takes faith. It takes us giving takes us training our children to give or to go as God chooses. With every head bowed and every eye closed tonight, let me ask you. God's given us missionaries. He's given us a wonderful church and a wonderful pastor. We need to be ready and willing to follow and to serve with him and through him through our church, around the world. Are you willing to let your light shine? I, I, I was just amazed. Brother Vincent brought that message this morning, and all I could think about after about halfway through was he's talking to us about me and you doing what that little song says, letting the love and the light of Jesus Christ shine through us to others around us, wherever we are are you willing tonight to do that let's all stand and as the music plays